Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. It's an honor to have Father Frank Pavone here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Great to be with you, Alec. Thank you very much. Yeah, I usually start this off. I'm always interviewing dads on the podcast here. I am a Catholic myself. Uh, the family unit and the breakdown of the family unit in this country is very near and dear to my heart. So I want to get your take on that, on abortion and a few other things. But before we get into that, if you could, uh, please take a second to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background. Yes. Well, I am uh, the director of several pro-life organizations. I got involved in the pro-life movement back in 1976. And it was that same time that I felt a call to the priesthood. So I began to uh, do pro-life activities, got ordained in 1988, uh, started working full-time in the pro-life movement in 1993, heading up this group called Priests for Life. And uh, ever since then, We've built it into one of the largest pro-life ministries in the world and have been uh, just so, so blessed to be able to interact with people on every level in, in, in the world of government and in the world of, of pro-life and in the church and in just across America working to defend the unborn. We do a lot of broadcasting, publishing, uh, seminars, traveling, speaking, uh, and, uh, and just uh, praying with people to bring an end to abortion. That's, um, that's who I am and what I do. Yeah, I really love what you do. I'm a big fan of you and what you, you brought to the pro-life movement. Now, for me, as far as um, uh, being number one, an American, uh, number two, uh, you know, just a, a family man, a man of God, all this stuff. I know growing up, it was always said that politics and religion is something you never talk about. Keep that stuff out of the discussion. <laughs> uh, but it seems like today, almost every single issue is become has become political. There's no way around it. It seems like no matter where where your opinions lie, there's a political side to it. And it's become very more difficult to even have a conversation without it somehow veering off into the path of politics, which then becomes like a chaotic conversation. And there's no doubt about that. But two points here. One, as an American, very, very uh, concerned about the direction uh, my country is headed. Uh, and number two, as a Catholic, very concerned about the way my Catholic church is headed. Uh, so I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this is it seems as this as though uh, the Catholic Church has been a kind of quiet uh, about abortion, especially what's happened to you, obviously being defrocked uh, by the Catholic Church uh, for speaking out uh, about abortion. Is this something that's going on in the Catholic Church? Are you the only one of the pro-life priests that's been targeted like this? Is this something that's going on within the Catholic Church? And when did you give the listeners a little bit about how you would defrock the whole bit? Well, there is a division within the church, just like there's a division within the nation. And, uh, you know, the divisions are no longer what they what they used to be, where, like, for example, in religion, you would have, uh, you know, the Anglicans over here, Presbyterians, Catholics, etc. Uh, the, the divisions now are more horizontal. And what I mean is that, you know, you and I as Catholics may have more in common with our uh, Baptist uh, uh, next door neighbor than we do with our parish priest. And, and, and because the, the division is around the... Um, 
the, 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 some, the basics, like do we really believe in the word of God? Do we apply it practically? Do we let it shape our politics? Are we, or are we seeing the abortion problem for what it is and giving it the emphasis that it deserves? I've been getting giving this message in the Catholic community for the last 30 years, as we briefly mentioned, and, 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 and I've been urging the church to do more about abortion and, frankly, to do more about politics, to increase our comfort level with that discussion you just referred to about religion and politics. They do mix. We do need to talk about them. And for all of these reasons, many in the church have become uncomfortable with me and with the message my organization gives. Uh, and it's not just me. There are millions of people that support us. And so they got, they've got they gotten nervous, and they've tried in various ways over the years. This is not just a recent development, but uh, some bishops have tried over the years to silence my message or to tone it down or to, you know, get me to do something else, you know, and that hasn't worked. None of their efforts have worked. So that's why they took the drastic step recently of saying to me, you can no longer be a priest. Well, the problem is that's not going to stop our message, and it's not going to stop people from supporting our message as our interview here indicates very clearly, and thank you for your support, uh, the church has to face up to what's going on here. We're, we're not any longer just talking about simply uh, policy differences when it comes to politics. We're talking about differences on the level of principle. In other words, two candidates might have different ideas about how to reduce crime, right? But the, the disagreement is not going to be about whether we should reduce crime. You're not going to see a candidate campaigning for the right to crime, uh, although some of the things that have happened lately make you wonder even if we're heading that way. Uh, but the point is that's on the level of principle. What are the things that we all agree on as fundamental self-evident truths, to borrow a phrase from the, the Declaration of Independence, that there is a right to life, uh, that we do have to have freedom? You know, We're facing attacks on those basic principles. And my position is, and I'm sure the position of many of our much many in our audience, is that you can't be neutral when it comes to that. You, you can't be neutral when it comes to the defense of life, the defense of freedom. I share your concern for the country because we have people in certain leadership positions who don't seem to care about those very fundamental principles. And when we reach that point, we have all got to speak up boldly and clearly. There's no doubt about it, Father. And also, too, you look at the other side of this, the pro-choice. They're not backing down. They're going all in. And it has gotten so difficult to even have a conversation, like a cordial conversation about this, because it goes to the extreme so quickly. You could start the conversation at 10 miles an hour. Before you know it, you're on the Autobahn. I mean, it, it, yeah. it goes lightning <laughs> fast. And the other, the other side also, too, what really uh, bothers me uh, about the conversations or about this entire debate is when you see, like, a few years ago, New York City, uh, lit up the Freedom Tower in pink in honor of their uh, late term abortion law uh, that they late uh, term. And we, we just even with this thing uh, that, that has recently passed where you don't even give uh, support to a child that survives the abortion attempt and, and people that are for that. And then you also see these uh, pro-choice people that are not only just fighting for their point of view, but they're out there with uh, fake dolls that are covered in blood, like they're spiking a football and they're so proud of their abortions and they're like championing it. And it's kind of sickening to see that it's gotten so extreme on that side. It's one thing to have these kind of conversations in a heart to heart, but one thing to be like, like I said, celebrating and spiking the football that you're ending a life. Uh, I, I think it's gotten so radical from the other side. And if and if the pro-life movement doesn't step up to meet that type of intensity, then why even play the game? 
You know, you you pointed out something that shows how bad things have become. And there was just a vote the other day. I was there in Congress uh, uh, when this happened, uh, a vote on expanding protection for babies who actually survive abortions, because that sometimes happens, especially with these late term procedures, which are more like deliveries, um, the, the babies will survive. So if you have a baby on the table there in the procedure room who is outside the mother's body and breathing on his or her own, can you kill that baby? And and that's what this 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 uh, law that was voted on. It was passed by the House of Representatives to expand protections for these babies. The Republicans have been trying to get it passed for years and years. The Democrats have opposed it. There was only one Democrat in the more than two hundred of them in the House of Representatives that voted to expand protections for such babies. I mean, this is insanity. It's just insanity. Uh, and, and this is where, you know, to help the conversations about political things, which I want to urge our audience, don't be afraid of those conversations. But at the same time, try to take an, an approach that would tamper down the, 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 the venom or the, or the agitation. And one of the ways you can do that is, is to ask questions in a very calm way and to try to get down to people's experience. Uh, you know, for example, when it comes to this question of babies born alive, many folks on the other side will just jump to to saying, well, well you're making this up. You know, and, and right away, I mean, that can escalate a conversation because it's like, you're accusing me of lying. I'm trying to converse with you about something important. Why are you saying I'm making it up? But if everyone could have at their fingertips just a little bit of information it could calm things down because, for example, the website bornalive.us has, and this is one of the websites our ministry has created, it has the basic facts that because there are states that keep track of this. There, is the, uh, there are federal uh, statistics on this. Babies that are born alive after a failed abortion, people want to say, oh, this doesn't happen. It does. And, 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 but if you have that information at your fingertips, simple website bornalive.us, you can say to people in a very calm way, listen, you may disagree with me on this. I understand it's a volatile topic. Take a moment, check out that website, see that, see for yourself that this is really happening, and then we can come back and have a rational conversation. Or to point out something that happened just um, yesterday, we were in Washington, D.C. I was also in San Francisco uh, for the for the Walk for Life. And, and at both of these events, the March for Life and the Walk for Life, I led the gathering of the Silent No More campaign, uh, another project of our ministry where those who've had abortions speak out about their experience. So if you're talking with somebody and it gets volatile, you're talking about abortion, and it's like you say to them, well, have you listened to those who have actually done it? I mean, it's one thing to argue about opinions, but there's experience here. And people who've had abortions, could we listen to their voices and ask, did it help them? Are they saying it was good? Did it fulfill its promises? Or did it cause more problems? And when you listen to these voices of testimony, you realize, yeah, it causes more problems. That's where, where it also connects with your theme of father, about fathers, because we have fathers sharing their experiences of losing a child to abortion. And these men are, are, are devastated by that. And there's a lot of suffering going on among these fathers uh, because of the lie of abortion. 
There's no doubt about it, Father. My wife and I, we went through several miscarriages. And so that experience, we have four children we we're blessed with. But we had, like I said, we went through several miscarriages. And just that process alone is very devastating. And yes. so, to, to, and, and plus, fathers are kind of pushed out of this whole conversation when it comes to abortion so many times as if they have no say whatsoever in what happens with the child. Uh, but, but it seems like it, it overwhelmingly, it seems like this issue is about being it, it, everybody points to the extreme. Uh, someone is raped. Someone has incest or the mother is going to die on the table unless they abort the kid. Like they go to those three extremes when you're yeah. having this conversation. And I, I would uh, obviously that that's a very small minority. But there are cases where this is that does happen. Sure. But I would I would argue that the overwhelming majority of these is it's a conversation about being able to have sex without having any responsibility for having the sex. And our culture is pushing sexual images, pornography. They are making it so inviting for you to just have sex with no responsibility. And it seems like you're taking away my right to have a good time and making me have to pay the price for my good time. Seems to be the overwhelming majority of abortion cases. But these ones come up, the rape, the incest, the mother dying. Could you address those three issues as it, as it pertains to the pro-life movement and their view on it? Well, yes, we have the greatest compassion, of course, for people who have been victims of rape or incest, and also, of course, for those who have medically complicated pregnancies, which, of course, arise uh, uh, with regularity in our society. But in none of those cases is that problem solved by killing the baby. Uh, in cases of rape, we have many people uh, in our in our campaign. I was just last night with the leader of an entire group of people who were conceived in rape. And they make it clear, and the studies that have been done show, that women who have been raped, they're not looking for abortion as much as people around them are suggesting it to them. They're looking for help for themselves and for their child. If you abort that baby, first of all, of course, you know, people will say, hey, wait a minute, the baby didn't do anything wrong. And, and, and that's true. But I would start even with a different thought, which is, is it going to help that mother? Does the abortion unrape her? Uh, or does the abortion bring its own trauma that compounds the pain she already has from the rape? That indeed, again, looking at experience, not just at arguments, that again is what we find to be the case. The abortion doesn't help her. So we want to help her. We should all have even more compassion for the victims of sexual assault. But friends, we just got to face the facts. It's not an abortion that helps her. Let's help her with really life-giving solutions that will help both her and her baby. As far as medically complicated pregnancies, again, I interact with doctors and, and, and medical experts for whom this is their field of specialty, uh, medically complicated pregnancies. And they always, first of all, in medicine, they understand you have two patients here. You have that mother, you have that baby. You got to care for both patients. You can't kill one in order to help the other. But the good news is, medically speaking, you don't have to kill anybody. The baby can be delivered early. You do everything you can to help both the baby and the mother. But but the complications of pregnancy uh, do not require you can't jump right away to the killing of the baby as a solution. Uh, they 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 do not require that. They require extra care for that pregnant mom. Uh, and then, of course, early delivery of the child with, with the most help being given to have the child survive as well. Uh, that's the good news in these in these cases. You, 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 and, and, and so be aware, uh, brothers and sisters, not to let people just automatically uh, jump to abortion as a solution. You got to consider all these facts first. 
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.